G'day and welcome to the Sea Creatures Podcast, a show all about the amazing animals that live beneath the waves. Each episode, we chat about a specific sea creature with a guest who has spent time and interacted with this ocean animal. Our guests range from marine biologists to divers to underwater photographers, citizen scientists, and people that have an intense passion for marine life. My name's Matt Testoni, and I'm all of the above. And joining me for this episode of Sea Creatures Podcast is Danny Lee, and we're going to be talking all about the southern right whale. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me, mate. No worries. So I've always been a big fan of your photos and looking through them, there's a series of photos that just blow my mind or whenever they come up, they blow my mind. And they're of the southern right whale that you photographed. So tell us a little bit about the southern right whale and why you, why you love the southern right whale. Yeah, the, the southern right whale, I guess I'll, I love it the most because it's one we get to see super close to shore in Tassie. We still get the humpbacks going past, but they generally are out wider so we don't have a lot of interactions and yet the southern right whale for some reason just loves to hug the coast so we see them quite often and yeah it's just one of those whales when you do see them from the shore quite often they'll have their tail up out of the water or even half their tail just cruising along on the surface of the water looks like an orca dorsal fin and quite a few times we've been excited like oh orca and um, no, it ended up being southern right. And they're just a beautiful whale, always really slow moving and, and quite placid. So what is a southern right whale? Like describe a southern right whale, how it kind of differs from other whales and its size and that kind of thing. They are a big whale. They're around the um, 15 to 18 metre mark. They're highly identifiable by the white calluses on their face, like around their head region. Just big, large, chunky white yeah, chunks all over their face. As soon as they lift their nose out of the water, you'll identify one straight away. Really sort of where the humpbacks have got really long pectoral fins. These uh, The southern rights are quite stumpy on their pec fins. And just a yeah, large, black, sort of flat-looking block when they're laying on the water. They are, um, yeah, highly identifiable. No dorsal fin. Yeah, so... Yeah, as soon as you, you see that big, it looks like a log laying on the water. That's generally all you see. Yeah, as soon as you see that, you know you've got a southern right. Yeah, and as you mentioned, they have these callus all over their nose, which is such a, like, trademark whale thing. But it's surprising that everyone associates this, like, callus with them with whales, but it's actually just the, the right whales that have it. The whiteness is caused by all these lice that live in it, isn't it? Yeah, and with my close interactions, I've nearly had a face full of these lice. <laughs> they, they get so close to you and it does look pretty pretty cool up close um you wouldn't think they're lice it just looks like a mat of oh no it's really hard to describe it's uh, like a big sponge but yeah just full of white wriggly oh no it's really weird mate but uh, well, interestingly actually the, i've seen a uh, southern right whale calf and even from birth they have these markings on their head but because this one was so young, it hadn't the calluses hadn't turned white yet. Yeah, they were still like a yellowy sort of a colour. And apparently as the lice colonise these areas, they become white. So that's how we knew this calf was relatively newborn um, because the, uh, the lice hadn't, hadn't colonised those patches yet. So, yeah, it was nice to see a really young one. Wow. The yellow, it's kind of like a pimply teenager, I reckon. Oh, wow. And so... Right whales, I'll just run through, like they're migratory and there's a few populations north, there's a few populations south or one population south. And we mentioned the size of them and because they're about 40 to 80 tons, they've actually got so much blubber that they physically can't cross the equator because they get too hot, which is pretty cool. Have you noticed any other cool behaviours that they do? They actually, like even though I said they look pretty placid, I have seen one pretty playful, which I'll probably talk to you about later. So they can be very playful animals. I've seen a photo of one down south of Tasmania 
doing a full body breach, um, which we think only humpbacks would probably do. But these big southern rod, he's got his, got his whole body out of the water, just incredible. So, um, yeah, they are. They do behave a lot like other whales. As you said, they don't need to migrate as far north as, as the humpbacks. So, um, and yeah, generally because of the warmth of the water, they will give birth along the east coast of Tasmania, all around Tasmania and up into South Australia. They don't seem to need to travel as far as the humpies. You just mentioned uh, some experiences you've had and I've read a little bit about them and I've seen a few photos and they've blown me away, but I just really want to hear about your, your two favourite interactions with these animals. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, the first one, the first time I ever uh, swam with a southern ride, I actually didn't think it was going to happen. It was it was sort of the day that I sh- it should have happened for me. I was like two hours away from the coast and I got a phone call from a friend and he's, he's, he rang and he said, look, there's a southern ride female about 20 metres off the beach in the Bay of Fires and it's got a calf with it and they're just laying there. <laughs> and I was like two hours away and I'm like, oh, no. And it was, yeah, an hour and a half before dark, like before the sunset. And I just thought, I'm not going to make it, man. And I, I told him to ring up one of my, my freediving buddies. And they ended up getting out and, and having a swim with this thing. Um, they just swam off the beach and the whales come straight over to them. And they only had about 15 minutes of good light left before the sun was setting. And um, my mate rang me up and he said, hey, look, it happened. It was unreal. We had 15 minutes swimming with these things. And, and I was devastated. I thought, look, that's, that's it. My chance is blown. I rang my mate and I said, look, what do you reckon, early in the morning? Do you think they'll still be there? Let's let's go and have a mission and see if it works. And we got up and we drove the full length of the Bay of Fires, which is quite a few kilometres, checking all the little bays and um, no whale. And I'm just like kicking myself, like, why did I go shopping in Launceston, you know, the day before? <laughs> and um, anyway, we got to the last little beach right in one of the little townships called Binalong Bay. And as soon as we rounded the corner and saw the sand, saw the beach, this massive tail just hanging out of the water. Like just, it was just unbelievable. And the bay was like crystal clear, dead flat. And the weeks before had been pretty rough. Anyway, we thought, oh, this is it. And then I jumped out of the car. I was getting my wedding on as fast as you could imagine. So I was trying to get my camera gear together. And my mate who died with them the day before, he's like, go, just, just slow down, mate. Like everything's going to be okay. They're not going anywhere. And because he'd already had that experience of what they're like. Yeah, so we got all the gear together and we thought, okay, we've got to be respectful of the whales. If this is going to happen, it's going to be on the whales' terms. So we went, walked about 200 metres down the beach south of the whale and uh, just swam directly out, hoping that the whales would come over. And they just didn't. They just never come over. And we, we sort of moved different spots along the beach and we walked kilometres and ended up just sort of trying to make it happen, but it just didn't happen. And uh, I ended up, losing my mask in the shore break but just just like one of the times I was coming back into shore and just a small wave just boom, took my mask straight off my face and you think I could find it couldn't find it so mask snorkel gone I'm like well this day is just going to be a failure and so we, we got out walked the full length of the beach again jumped in the car headed into St Helens which is 25 minute drive got a new mask another snorkel <laughs> drove back thinking the whales are surely gone but they weren't. They're still just laying there, swimming around the same beach. And um, we had a bit of a plan because because our first interaction had failed, we went around into another bay, just around a little bit further south into Skeleton Bay, because we saw the whales actually swimming out towards the point. And I'd seen a southern ride about four years earlier, just, just chilling out in this little bay. And um, we got in there, we swam out into the bay, and sure enough, 
this mother and calf just cruised around the point, probably four or 500 metres away, and just swam directly up to us, like within metres. And the calf is sitting right beside the mother, and they're just looking at us. And it was like, what? You know, we should have just waited around there all day, looking the whole morning, you know. And um, yeah, the mother and calf just ended up doing figure eights around us for 45 minutes. Just they'd swim away 50, 60 metres, and we think, oh, the interaction's over, and they just turn around and come back. And the mother was pushing the calf right up beside us. Like, going, check these little humans out. <laughs> and uh, we managed to get some pretty crazy photos that day. Wow. That's a crazy experience with the calf being pushed up towards you and, yeah. like, the mother presenting it and just really this amazing mammal-on-mammal interaction. Yeah, it was like she was super proud. It's like, hey, check my baby. How cool is it? You know, rather, whereas you'd think the calf or the mother would be sort of protective and say, hey, look, We'll just keep the calf away from these guys. But I think the mother, within minutes, realised we weren't a threat, that we were just we weren't swimming after it at any. We were pretty much just staying in the same spot. And what was cool is my mate Quentin and I, we we just found a spot where the viz was really good. So we like there was parts that were a bit cloudy. We just swam to somewhere where the viz was awesome, and we just stayed there. And then the whales would just swim into the good viz, you know, which perfect. Yeah, and on that. You, I know I've seen one of your photos, which is, I think it's one of your favourites, one of my favourites, where your buddy is on the sand looking at the whale. That was part of that experience, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And when that happened or the opportunity arose, I'd, I'd, I'd actually been inspired by a photo by Brian Scary, He's a National Geographic photographer. And he's got a photo of this southern right whale just sitting on perfect sand with a scuba diver standing in front of it with the camera just pointing at the nose, you know. I was like, man, I'd love to get a photo, something like that. And I just never thought it would ever happen. It was one of the times when the whale was, was coming back. We thought, oh, the interaction could have been over. And the whale just turned around again and was coming back towards us. And I just remember singing out to Quentin, my mate, and just said, look, man, can you just swim down? This is 10 metres to the sand. Can you just get down onto the bottom, put your knees on the sand and just look up at this thing. You know, and I'll, I'll duck in behind you and try and get the shot I've been dreaming about. Anyway, we both just cruised down. And as soon as he hit the sand, got his knees on the, on the sand, this whale and the calf just come into view. And it was like the whale just scripted it, man. It just, the whale just turned beautifully, showed his profile. And Quinn was just looking up. You know, he had the GoPro running too, and his, the video footage is insane. And um, I just took a couple of frames behind him. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, you know, like, this is incredible. And then we realised that uh, we have to go back up the air here. <laughs> and the whales had come right over our, our sort of exit point, like where we were going to go up the air, that the whales were sitting there. So uh, Quentin, I just saw him, he just did the bolt straight for the tail. Like he's swimming 15 metres that way, and I was headed left 15 metres. And finally, when we got a spot that was clear to come up the air, like after a minute, minute 20, I think it was, just came up out of the water, and I was really close to the calf. I was a little bit nervous, actually. I thought, oh, I'm a bit too close here. And the mother just arched around, which actually helped Quinton. He had, he had no room to come up. But because the whale swung around, he finally got somewhere to pop up. And um, the mother came around and just looked straight at me with nose like a metre and a half off me. And I, I remember just saying, hey, it's okay, it's okay to this whale. I'm like, I'm, it's okay. I'm and it just looked at me and then just sort of passed right beside it. And she just slowed down again. Everything went all calm. And I was just like, man, oh, man, you, you can communicate with these things, you know, just with your body language. And I was just still relaxed. And, yeah, it's just one of those moments. So I didn't really think about the photo until I swam back into shore. And I'm just swimming the 200 metres back to shore with a mate and I'm flicking through the photos. And 
And then I saw it and I went, oh, that's pretty cool. And uh, I remember sending it to him, to my mate the, the night after, and he's like, mate, I need a copy about 1.5 metres on my wall. And he, he's like, yeah, he looks awesome. Oh, wow. And just yeah. having the mother, like, kind of be protective, but then calming down again, like, as she kind of relaxed. It was and- insane. Insane, man. Yeah. yeah, it shows you that it's just such an incredible encounter and it wasn't just a random encounter. It was a... No, they, they could have left. The whales could have left after five minutes if they wanted to. You know, they could have come and saw us once and said, hey, we're out of here. But like 45 minutes later and it was still intrigued. Like they kept coming back to check us out and yeah, never really did any super amazing um, sort of behaviours or anything. It was just cruising around, but it just was not worried at all by our presence. Wow. Well, before we jump into the second amazing story, have you got any cool facts on Southern right whales for us? Oh, well, I can tell you a bit more about their biology, even just the positioning of their eye. Like when you initially tried to find the eye of a Southern right whale in amongst all those white blotches, all the pimples, man, it's like, man, where's the eye on this thing? And then when you actually find it, like right down in the corner of their mouth, it's like, oh, there it is. And it's just mesmerising. It's like full, got the white, like the human eye pupil, and they, they move around and follow you. And yeah, it's just amazing, man. Like, and not huge, but the eye is probably not as big as a grapefruit, <laughs> if I can put it that way. Yeah, just a, like a big grapefruit, but very, very, very um, oh, just nice. You know, you, you got that feeling that you have with swimming with dolphins, any mammal really, you can have that connection. So, um, yeah, just beautiful there. But, yes, the facts, um, other than these ones, were probably at least 15 to 18 metres long. And, yeah, as you mentioned, 40, maybe 50 tonnes of whale right beside you. It's, yeah, mind-blowing, man. Yeah, and you just said the eye is a grapefruit size that isn't that big, but I just think that's humongous. Looking into an eye a metre and a half away, that's the size of a grapefruit with a pupil and everything, it... Oh, it's, it's amazing. I think you're probably one of the few people that's had such a close encounter in the wild with one, I reckon. Yeah, no, I, do, I thank my lucky stars, mate. I, I know it doesn't happen to everyone. And, you know, the, the two times that I've had it, it's just, and I think I've figured them out a little bit. I've figured out the whales and how they, it's got to be on their terms. You have to do it. You know, if you get, get in a boat and try and chase after a whale, it never works. You know, it's, and you can see why the laws are in place for interactions with whales. It has to be on their terms. And every time I've done it, it's always been a couple of hundred metres away. Don't swim towards the whale. Swim, just head out. And if it wants to, it will. It knows you're there. So if it's curious, it'll come over. If it's not, just swim back home and say, oh, it was a nice swim this morning. Yeah. I never, I've only seen one whale in the wild, like really, or one or two um, during a whale kind of trip. And as you said, like the, if they want to investigate you, they do. And this one I, I saw came right up to me and looked me in the eye before Boy, diving man. back down, you know, and it was that <laughs> curiosity, that curiosity that really drove it to have that interaction, which um, as you said, yeah. all about being calm. Un- yep. And unforgettable, isn't it? Like you, you wouldn't think you still see it. You shut your eyes. You still see, you still see it I, every night. You know, I'm just, I think about these things. Every time I look at it, see I'm looking for whales. It's, once you've had that experience, it's pretty, uh, oh, you just, it never leaves you. Yeah. Well, tell us about the second cool experience you've had. Yeah, the second one um, was nearly as unbelievable as the first because I was in bed 
7.30 in the morning, got a phone call from a, another photographer in Tasmania, James Stone. He rang and he said, what are you doing, Dan? I said, oh, doing bed, mate. He's, he's like, there's southern right whales just chilling like 200 metres off the, off the rocks at uh, Four Mile, which is about 45-minute drive south of where I lived in St Helens. And I'm like, well, what's the chances if I drive 45 minutes? I've got to get all my gear together. Will the whales still be there? And I, I just remembered the first interaction. I said, I've got to go. I'm pretty sure they will hang around. So I got all my gear together, drove the 45 minutes. Um, he'd left at that stage and I got to this beautiful patch of coastline and I looked out and here's this whale just, was one, he reckons there was two or three when he first saw it. There was one southern right, thin out, just waving, <laughs> waving to the shore and I thought, oh, all right, here it is. And it was a long way out. It was a couple of hundred metres off the shore. Sat down, watched it for a while. And another car just pulls up behind me. There's some people that knew that I was a photographer and did a bit of diving. And uh, they're watching the whale and they said, what are you doing? You know, aren't you supposed to be out there? <laughs> so I thought, well, what am I doing? Hesitating. And so I went and put the wetsuit on, ran down the rocks and had my camera and just my free diving gear and uh, made the 200 metre swim. I actually was about probably a perfect 200 metres down the rocks from where it was playing in the bay. And I just went straight out. I just went 200 metres straight out. On the way out, I was just checking settings on the camera and didn't really worry too much about the whale. And I got out and I was about horizontal with the whale from the shore. And the vis was okay, probably 15 metre visibility, 10, 15. So I knew if I did see the whale, it was going to be from the nose to its tail. I wasn't going to see probably the whole layer. I looked up and I was watching the whale. I saw it blow and tail was out of the water. And then something happened. I was just something changed. I just saw the whole back arch up out of the water and it's so when you see both flukes out here and it was heading directly for me i'm like oh man we're on again <laughs> we're not out there on my own 200 meters in the blue and i'm like just my heart started racing and i'm just like oh no like is this going to happen and i'm just standing underwater and i'm lifting my head out i didn't see it on the surface and all of a sudden un underneath on the water i could just see this black mound right on the sand so probably eight nine meters down on the sand and then I figured it was the whale upside down. So it was fully on its back, just gra grazing its back along the sand. And it just did a full barrel roll, like just a perfect barrel roll right up to like one and a half metres from the camera. You know, like I was looking over the top of the camera just with my finger on the shutter, just like, just taking, just taking multiple photos, but just I wanted to watch it with my own eyes. And I'm actually very happy I had a couple of frames that were actually in, inside the frame. Yeah, the whale just come right up and just eyeballed me like and just the eye on this one was even clearer than the eye on the on the mother. It was just full black and just white so the eye just staring at me. And it was a male, this one, and it just seemed really playful. It went past me and then just did a full 180, like real sharp turn, went up on its side and put it back in out of the water and just come straight back to me. And I was actually physically kicking back so I didn't get up on its up on its nose, man. It was like insanely wanted to check me out and uh yeah ended up getting some pretty cool gopro footage and, and photos that day oh wow it must <laughs> have been like having a bit of a scratch in the sand i reckon yeah oh, it was unreal like i couldn't believe and i didn't really see what it was doing until i watched it back on the gopro like i'm like what was it doing and i think the gopro's lens was a bit better than my eyesight i need glasses but <laughs> and like just the way it was sort of grooving this yeah, big line through the sand and it just did a perfect flip, like just big roll up and just the way its um, peck fins were just moving in the water. It was like 
super graceful. Yeah, even the second time, like it disappeared at one point, like it did that 180, checked me out, and then just disappeared. And I'm like, boy, where's it gone? Like, I'm looking around on the surface, waiting for it to surface and blow, and there's nothing. I thought, oh, it's gone. Like, it's, that's it. That's all I'm going to get, like 15 seconds or 20, 30 seconds. And I just put my face back in the water, and literally, man, it was a meter from my face just sitting there watching me. And I had no idea how it got back around and into position underneath me. So it just shows how agile they are as well and, and pretty stealthy for a big whale. Yeah, wow. <laughs> stealthy, 18-meter <laughs> for 50-ton animal being stealthy. Like it, it, I mean, yeah. it just shows you how poor we are at swimming, really, that a whale can Absolutely. sneak up on us. Yeah, and just no, there was no interruption on the surface or anything. I, like it startled me when I put my face down and here's these big white lumps and big black heads, like metres long and just super wide. And even the baleen plates in the, in the mouth, you see a bit of the baleen just hanging out and just super crusty, man. And I, I loved it. Yeah, it was just something I'll never forget. Wow, that's just, that's crazy. And being able to see the baleen plates up so close is just, is just what they eat with. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It. Yeah, I was just saying, like with the with the mouth and that, like just the shape, the the when you follow their mouth line from their eye, um, it's just the weirdest shaped mouth. Like if anyone's seen a proper photo of one, the the mouth goes right up nearly to the top of the head, like from the bottom of their body, right up to the top of their head, and then they just got this massive, like it's like a tractor at the front, <laughs> like I don't know, like a big um, earth moving machine, like. But obviously, I haven't seen one with their mouth fully open. I'd love to see that. But, um, yeah, because they've got some serious baleen plates inside there. I'd love to see one feeding. Yeah, it'd be insane. Oh, I, I mean, you probably have to be in Antarctica in the ice water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have heard um, that they do feed occasionally down south of Eagle Hawk Neck, where you've been before. A mate of mine down there has got uh, Wild Ocean Tasmania tours, and he's seen them feeding just um, off the coast. So... Yeah, I don't know if he's got any photos, but he reckons it's very insane. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I reckon that's got to be interaction three, number three for you. Yeah, I'm heading further south next time, man. I, I'm just hoping it happens. But, yeah, <laughs> it'll be on the whales' terms, as you know. Yeah, well, talking of on the whales' terms, tell us about what the rules are around snorkeling with whales and what advice you have for anyone that would be going out, even if they're watching them from shore or if they're watching them from a boat or snorkeling. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, I, I always think that swimming with a whale should be the same rules as if you're in a boat. Like, so I always abide by the same rules with distancing. It's a bit hard if the whales break the rules, but we shouldn't. So if the whale comes closer, that's okay. But you have to respect the, the whale. 200 metres or 150 metres, I think, is the ma- uh, the minimum to approach. So um, I always sort of work around the 200 metre mark. And if uh, if the whale wants to break the rules, yeah, that's fine. But um, we should always respect them, especially if you're in a boat. You should never drive in front of the whale. You should never follow the whale behind. If you're ever going to travel with a whale, it should be horizontal beside the whale and still keep that distance. And then if the whale wants to come over to you, well, like even when I've been out with um, Damo down there at Wild Ocean at Eagle Hawk, and we had some humpbacks, and he would just, he doesn't turn the motor off. He leaves the motor running, um, even though in neutral, so there's no props spinning. The whale can then hear where the boat is. They're not going to do a breach and land on your boat or anything. So he leaves the motor running and just turns everything off. And if the whale wants to come over and check you out, well, it will. And uh, quite often it will. Yeah, if you're chasing the whale, you're going to really probably ruin your uh, 
ruin the experience. Just just chill out and it'll come if it wants to. Yeah, and you don't want to stress the whale. Like, they're such amazing animals, especially if they've got a calf. You never know if they've got a calf with them. And they need all the energy they can get to protect that calf from various predators and to help it on its way. So, yeah, getting That's too right, close right. and exactly. yeah, stressing them out is never a good thing. So if you aren't lucky enough to get in the water to see them physically like you have been, and you're watching them from shore, have you got any like whale shore watching tips? Get as high as possible. So if you've got somewhere where there's a nice high vantage point, I don't know what it's like on the mainland. I did go and have a look at some southern rights in South Australia. Um, There's some beautiful spots in South Australia to watch the southern rights really close to the shore. But in Tassie, most of the vantage points are actually, they've got like whale boards out like and little viewpoint lookout so if you can go find one of those but the times that i've seen the whale hasn't been on those lookouts so i think you've just got to keep your eye open if you see one pull over yeah just just especially if you're driving along the coastline don't think that you only catch a glimpse it might hang around for a long time we spent uh, three or four hours with a humpback you know a hundred meters off the shore one time the bay of fires and it was there for days people went every day to watch this whale they stayed for two weeks just cruising in the same area so it's a matter of just, just watching them, observe the behaviour, and um, yeah, just enjoy every second. Wow. Well, that's, it's been an amazing chat, and those stories were incredible. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. If anyone wants to see any more of your work, where should they go? What should they do? Yeah, no worries. On Instagram, I like to use the tag submerged images, so submerged underscore images, and I try to put up a fair bit of Tassie Tassie uh, underwater life, including some of my international trips and national trips on the mainland. But um, yeah, submerged images on Facebook or Instagram, mate. This is where you'll find my work. I don't have a website as yet. The social media platforms seem to be working for me, so (laughs) I'll stick to that. (laughs) Yeah, and I've seen you've got some of your images for sale on Instagram as well through the story and stuff, which is really cool to see. Yeah, I'm just amazed that um, I guess there's so many ocean lovers out there, you'd you'd agree, that um, people... Not everyone gets to witness the beauty of the ocean and sometimes just having a piece of that on your wall can just, yeah, it just keeps you closer to the ocean if you can't get in yourself. And a lot of people don't get that opportunity. So it's nice, like yourself, nice to be able to show people what we see. Eh? Yeah. Well, thanks again for being on. No, it's a pleasure, Matt. Good on you, man. And I uh, look forward to catching up again. Sea Creatures Podcast is hosted, edited and produced by myself, Matt Testoni. You can see some of my photography on Instagram at Matt underscore Testoni underscore photography or the website mtunderwatermedia.com. If you've liked the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and tell a friend and visit our Patreon account, which is patreon.com slash Podcast. Production assistance by Georgia McGrath and music by the magical and talented Dan Musil and his slide guitar. Tune in next time to hear all about the Maori Rass, which is a huge fish that's really cool and found on the Great Barrier Reef. And Gabriel Guzman, underwater photographer, is going to be talking all about it. This has been the Sea Creatures Podcast. Over and out. <laughs>